Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, thank you for trying something new. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and you can find our work all over the internet. In fact, I'm going to ask Ben to give me a rundown of some of the places that he's written for recently. Go for it, Ben. You can find my work at Inside Hook, at Haggerty, and at Business Insider. And you can find my work at autotrader.ca, as well as Nouveau Magazine. Ben, we've got some a bunch of cars to talk about this week, and I want you to start us off. So tell me what you've been driving and what you think about it. Go. So I drove a brand new car, Sammy, a car that is, the for the first time ever, is that the popular phrase that they use when uh, advertising new generations of vehicles? The, the first ever. The yeah. first ever. So this was the yeah. first ever 2020 Cadillac CT4V. Oh, no, not another one of these new Cadillacs that nobody understands. Okay, so Sammy's saying that because he's frustrated by the naming uh, structure, the nomenclature associated with Cadillac's products. Because way back, oh, I want to say 15 years ago now, maybe Mm -hmm. more, Cadillac introduced a vehicle called the CTS-V, which was the high-performance version of its CTS sedan. And the V was there to indicate what M and S and RS and AMG and all those fun letters meant for Mm -hmm. the Europeans that it was, you know, high performance, big engine, good suspension, fun to drive. So flash forward to now, and you'll notice that at BMW, for example, you can go and buy a BMW M3, but you can also buy an M340i and an X, an, an M, what is it, the X7, M50, and all yeah. these, the, the, the M's, they move around and they mean different things, and it was a way for car companies to kind of extract more cash from the brand identity they had built around their performance division. Right. I mean, you can get, they, they designed these really cool, hardcore, um, sporty vehicles, I think M and AMG especially. And then they like, they provided that rep to, I don't know, rep or performance to other vehicles um, without being as hardcore. Like they just started tacking that M badge or that AMG badge to everything. Exactly. Um, and I don't know if they those vehicles really feel like they carry on the legacy of the old M and AMG, um, like that personality that those vehicles used to have. In some but ways, the buyers certain, certainly don't seem to mind. Like, that's what they're going for. They want that. Exactly. In some ways, you know, if it would be like living in the 80s and driving a Fiero but wearing a Corvette jacket. You know, <laughs> like it's a way of accessorizing and profiting off brand identity. So that's right. that's where it's at right now in the luxury business. And Cadillac kind of it tipped its toe into the same pool, uh, I want to say, three or four years ago with the Cadillac CTS V-Sport. Do you remember that, Sammy? Yeah, the CTS V-Sport. It was, it was an interesting um, in-between be- between the normal CTS um, and the hardcore CTS V. Exactly. It came with a, uh, a twin-turbo engine that put out 420 horsepower, which was about 220 horsepower less than the actual CTS V, and I think 100-something more than the standard CTS. And they also made an XTS V, V-Sport, sorry, which was uh, a pretty decent, I think it was an all-wheel drive car, from was it all wheel drive or was it front wheel drive i can't remember now but it was based on a front wheel drive platform it was a little bit larger and uh it was it was just a, a kind of i don't know who was exactly buying it was like a bigger impala with more luxury and more power yeah so uh these were kind of the, the in between stage that got us to where we are now with the CT4V and the CT5V that Sammy drove a couple of weeks ago so the CT4V 
mm-hmm. is the equivalent of an I would say a BMW um oof, M240i, Sammy? Would that be yeah. correct? If the if the M240i was a four-door. So it's not the M2, it's not the hardcore version, but it's one that has a few more go fast goodies than the standard 2 series. Well, and, there is kind of like a a four-door. It's this two is this front-wheel drive based but all-wheel drive version of the BMW, of the BMW 2 series that new it's based on a mini platform you know yes yeah, so that, that is a di- that is a different platform though so I didn't okay. necessarily want to mix that up too much because so you want to say like the rear wheel drive coupe uh 2 series kind of yeah yeah okay. so th- what that means for Cadillac and I realize this is you know you should never have to have this complicated of an explanation yeah. to introduce a car so there is yeah. no actual V version of the CT4 yet even though this is the CT4V, because what Cadillac's done is taken that V name, diluted it, and the new V is something called Blackwing. And that's even more confusing, because in the future, they're going to make a CT4V Blackwing and a CT5V Blackwing. The reason they're using this Blackwing name is because it was the name of a twin-turbo V8 that was built for one vehicle alone. That was the CT6V, right, Sammy? Yeah. And that vehicle was produced for, I think, two years, uh, maybe only one. And that engine isn't being used anywhere else. It was a dual overhead cam, twin turbo V8. I strongly suspect we're going to see that in the Z06 version of the Corvette. But until Mm -hmm. that happens, it's lending its name to the Cadillacs that are going to be faster than the Vs. This is super confusing. If you are still... It's convoluted. It's super convoluted. If you're still following along or listening yeah, to us... Yeah, good for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's not, not easy to do. We're not going to mention any of this ever again for the rest of the podcast. We're just going to talk about the car now. So I really wish we could mention it. I really, I really could because the V brand, the V lineup of cars that came before this current iteration of V were very good. They were yes. well-priced. They were very fast. They were capable products. But I don't know what happened that they needed to what make them – they needed to apply the name to cars that were lesser than these older vehicles. Some people suggested that um, the CTSV and the ATSV were a little too hardcore or, or um, intimidating to casual Cadillac buyers who might, might have wanted those things. And that might be the reason that they've kind of like – stepped away from that really hardcore performance that we were expecting because what you what you drove this ct4v is it badass is it, is it cool well Tell you me. know you you brought up the atsv and in some ways this vehicle is the replacement for that and in other ways it's not so the atsv oh. they share they share the same wheelbase okay but this car feels somewhat smaller this car feels like it's going up against the i want to say mercedes-benz cla sammy mm-hmm. does that does that sound right that's what i've been on that's what i understand it yeah so the CLA so it feels and the, small, compact. Yeah, the Audi, the Audi S3. Um, it's it's a it does feel small in a way that the ATS didn't. Even though proportionally, I'm I, it seems like they're somewhat closer than I thought, and it has less power than the ATS-V as well. Because as we discussed, this is not a real V. Oh my goodness, we thought we weren't going to talk about that again, but we will mention. It has a 2.7-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine. It has all-wheel drive standard. 10-speed automatic transmission is the only gearbox. And it puts out 325 horsepower and 380 pound-feet of torque. That sounds good, but a 2.7-liter four-cylinder sounds kind of familiar. Where is this engine from? I'm trying to remember so where if this you, engine is from. You, you are correct that you have heard about this engine before. That 2.7-liter unit is pulled from the Chevrolet Silverado pickup, Sammy. Um, 
What? How is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Why? So wait, I, no, that doesn't make any sense, Ben. If I'm to cons- if you're to tell me um, we're going to build a we're going to build a a perform a a, a, a fun to drive sports sedan, and we need to give it a nice engine that matches that personality. I wouldn't just turn around and go to the truck, the car, the, the truck engine bay, and be like, "Yeah, why this will do." It's like- be- it's because the truck engine needed a ton of torque, and it needed a ton of torque down low because ostensibly you're going to be doing truck stuff with your Silverado. So the 380 pound feet of torque that come on with the CT4V arrive at 1500 RPM, which means mm-hmm. this thing can hit 60 miles an hour from a standing start in four and a half seconds, and it will do the quarter mile in 13.2 seconds. That is a very fast vehicle, Sammy. That is pretty good for a four-cylinder uh, sports sedan. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll concede that. It just blows my mind that the, the sometimes when we look when we think about a sports sedan and the dynamics of the engine, speaking about how smooth it feels, if it sounds good, if it uh, if it's responsive, might not always be the same characteristics we'd pull out of a pickup truck engine. You know You're, what I mean? You are right. I mean, there's something about this engine that very much feeds into what you just said. Once you get past 5,000 RPM in this engine, you're pretty much out of the, – the party is over. I mean, <laughs> you're going to want to shift there, and it's going to be pretty much I – I can't believe I just said pretty much twice in a row. What is wrong with me? Yeah, that's okay. If you are to drive this vehicle and shift at 5,000 RPM or around there – versus letting the transmission shift itself, you'll probably be a little bit faster because there's not okay. really any joy to be had going up to the red line. It's just, there's the red line is only 6,000 RPM, which is not very high for a sports sedan or a sporty car of any kind. Right. So usually you'd want at least 6,500 RPM. That's kind of where you would, hmm. that would fall. 7,000 is great. Uh, it's But at the same time, the car doesn't really feel like a sports sedan from behind the wheel. It feels like a very fast sedan, but not necessarily something that's fun. Uh, and mm. it's it's kind of hard to quantify that factor about it. Okay, I mean, no, I think that I think that makes sense. I mean, you, you, a fast car does not always mean a fun, uh, a fun car or a sporty car. I think the the characteristics again, I'm bringing up like the the expectations you have, and I think that's the thing that really tanks any of these new V products is expectations, um, because the past V products were badass. They were excellent cars. They were track. I I think they were track ready, um, and I don't know if these. CT4V and CT5V are are capable of being that ready to go on a track. And I, I don't uh, necessarily think they are. I think you're right. And I think that, you know, because this is like the M340i or the M240i, whatever you want to yeah. call it, it's, it's not intended to be a track day toy. So I think that sticking to the mission statement of very fast um, luxury rocket is a good one. Um, I also, there's a couple of things about this four-cylinder engine that really stood out to me in comparison to some other fast four-cylinder cars I've driven. We talked recently about the Mustang EcoSport um, performance package, I believe it was called. EcoBoost. EcoBoost, sorry, EcoSport. I can't believe I said EcoSport. We've got EcoSport. You know, every time I say EcoSport, an angel loses its wings, Sammy. (laughs) Yeah. It's so sad. And has to take an EcoSport back to heaven. So the special (laughs) version of the EcoBoost, the EcoBoost, the, uh, that has the motor from the Focus RS, it was yeah. another car that was, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, fast, but not sporty or fun to drive. It wasn't engaging uh, in the same way as the V8 version of the car is. And uh, I think that the this version of the CT4 is very similar to that. It's going to get you to, this, to the performance you want to get to. But 
on the way, it's not going to be nearly as engaging as a different type of engine might be. And another interesting comparison for me is looking at another turbo car from GM. I believe the Chevrolet Camaro Turbo 4. It's a 2.0 liter engine, and it has 270 horsepower. So it's down by just over 50 50 horses versus the Cadillac, and it doesn't feel nearly as fast as this car does. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's an important, again, important thing to bring up. Speed does not always equal fun. And I, I, I want a performance car to be agile, to be engaging. Um, even if it is a, a luxury brand that still needs to respond very quickly, very, um, it needs to feel like in sync with the driver. And yeah. sometimes these cars don't do that. And a, a couple other things that peeled me away from really building a bond with this car. The exhaust note is not that great, and it has multiple drive modes, including a sport and a track mode, but mm-hmm. although it, it you the sport mode makes the car louder inside, like yeah. it has that whole synthesized kind of uh, fake engine noise, but it doesn't really make the outside sound all that much better, so I was really disappointed by that. Um, one thing that was cool, though, in terms of accessing sport modes is it has the, the various drive mode buttons on the center console, but it also mm-hmm. has a V button on the steering wheel, and that's a programmable button. So you can Mm -hmm. set that up however you want it. Very similar to what we were talking about with the X5M a few weeks ago, where you can have the different M buttons. There's just one, but you don't really need more than one. And the the CT5V has that as well. I thought that was Uh, a cool feature for what these cars are. It's it's something neat to have. Uh, But kind of moving past the performance. Oh, one last thing about performance. The suspension is stiff. It's uh, even in touring mode, which is the base. It's not Magna Ride, right? I, you know what? That's a good question. I had assumed it was, but it might not be. Um, in any case, it's uh, it's it bounces you around a bit on rough roads, and there's not much you can do about that. Uh, you are you're either going to have a comfortable luxury car, or you're going to have one that's set up to. I guess, reduce body roll to the point where if you hit a pothole, you're going to bounce around. And that's kind of right. where the CT4V is, is sitting. Okay. Um, one of the things about the CT5V is that I drove it, and while I wasn't super impressed with it, I felt like there was potential for this next, this next product, this CT5 Blackwing. Do you think that, the, that there is potential for the CT4 Blackwing to come, whatever's coming next, to deliver on that original mission statement of the V-Series. I think that if they had the right engine in here, one that was more focused on performance instead of just power, mm-hmm. I know that's a weird delineation to make, but it's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I think that, yes, there is potential. I think that that car might be hard to drive on a regular daily basis because I think the suspension would be that much stiffer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I really I can't find any information about the suspension being Magna Ride or not, unfortunately. So probably not then. Um, in any usually case, usually they make a big deal. Everyone makes a big deal about Magna Ride. They, they like could, shout it from the rooftops, like Magna could, Ride. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if they could <laughs> add that, then potentially, sure, it could it could be a I don't know more versatile solution. Um, it does have a limited limited slip differential at back, which is kind of neat. But uh, yeah, it's. Um, Anyway, uh, I I think you can get a version of the CT4V that's rear-wheel drive as well, Sammy. That would be nice. I, I, that, would be, I, that would make it a little bit... That would be more appealing to me, um, especially if it is around the size of a 2 Series or a CLA. Um, having a rear-wheel drive um, vehicle like that would be pretty enjoyable, I think. I'm just no? going to double-check that uh, because... I I had assumed that all-wheel drive was standard, but it's not. No, I'm just checking now, and it is um, 
It is. It is available as an. Op- it's. It's only available as an option. That sounds a bit more appealing. So the the other thing, the other kind of thing. How much does it cost? This vehicle starts at I want to say forty five thousand. Let me double check. Oh, never mind. That's too expensive. Forget that. Yeah, it's forty five <laughs> four ninety, and the the you can option it up past fifty thousand fairly easily if okay. you want to do that. Why would you get that? Okay, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna be annoying. Um, the Mercedes Benz CLA AMG, which is another extremely fast. Um, it starts at. Let me see. This is this is a car with a ton of horsepower, 382 horsepower out, out of a four-cylinder. It does zero to sixty in four seconds, um, and it will cost you, Ben. Are you ready for this? Because I'm ready. I don't have I don't have the figures. I'm gonna figure it out. <laughs> You must hate me. $54,000? Oh, that's too much. Okay, yes. Continue on then, Ben. Would you get a CLA 45 um, with the extra, what, like $10,000? No, I don't think. You know what? CT4V. I don't think it's the same customer. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm really I having. You do this to me. <laughs> I'm really having a hard time uh, understanding. Uh, someone cross shopping these cars, and I think it really starts in the you know the 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 CLA's interior is not great, but the the one thing we haven't talked about with the CT4V is that it's the interior is it didn't feel super premium to me. It uh, it looks okay, but when you kind of start looking at the details and you start pushing buttons, there's a lot of plastic going on. It's not the kind of interior where you you look at it and you're like, wow, this is something special. This is something I paid more for and I'm happy with that. And that was a problem in the ATSV. Specifically for the ATSV, it was the, the gauge cluster. It was exactly the yeah. same as the regular ATS, which meant low rent. It's not quite that bad in the CT4V, but again, it doesn't have that sheen that I would want at this price point. Well, did they fix what that... I, I mean, I really thought the way that Cadillac did its gauge cluster and other um, materials around the cabin was disappointing. It was honestly one of the most disappointing cabins I've ever been in. Um, something that just just didn't seem fit for the Cadillac name. And they never wanted to fix it. That was the other really um, disappointing part, is that people complained about it and they said, well, too bad. So <laughs> tell me if the CT4V at least has you know a, a nice-looking gauge cluster that doesn't look horrendous in like the sunlight or something. It's... It, it... I haven't been in the regular CT4, so I can't okay. tell you if it's markedly different from... I know the seats are different, I know the trim is different, but I can't tell you if the gauge cluster is different. I know it's configurable, it does a lot of things. Um, it sounds better then. I'm in an, AT, an XT6 this week, and yeah. the gauge cluster is very similar to the CT4V. Okay. So, I don't know. Um, you know what's funny? Going back to the, the all-wheel drive versus rear-wheel drive thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I am on the – it's very strange. I'm trying to build one on the U.S. website, and I'm not able to do it. But on the Canadian website, I can build both rear-wheel drive and all-wheel drive right away. So I don't know if it's a question of um, availability. Oh, here we go. I found it on the U.S. website. So I'm able I'm able to do it. The, okay. the, so if I, I want to get back to that base price – 
It's forty four four ninety if you get rear wheel drive, but if you go all wheel drive, it adds about not that much six hundred seven hundred dollars. So that's that's the extra price you're paying. Oh, that's not bad. I think that I would have enjoyed this car more if it had been rear wheel drive. I think it would have felt somewhat more engaging from a steering perspective. There's no way to know because I I haven't driven it, but uh, I know understand the need to offer all wheel drive if you want to compete against BMW and especially Audi because that's really become their calling card. It's tough. Um, there needs to be. There needs to be. You need to provide something that is competitive with the rest of the segment, but you also need to do something that puts your own stamp on that on that product. You can't just make the same car and say, "This is it. Buy our car instead," because yeah. you want the original, right? Well, there's so, a couple. There's a couple interesting aspects of what you're saying uh, for Cadillac. You can get Super Cruise with the CT4V. <gasps> Really? That's yes. perfect. That's perfect. That's what I. That's among the must. That is like every Cadillac should have this feature. This is the one thing that Cadillac has that so few automakers can even compete with, let alone offer. Um, and I think it's an important uh, feature. Granted, it's in a performance vehicle, which doesn't seem to make you know like the 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 Venn diagram doesn't really match. The people who want like hands free driving on the on the highway versus the people who want a really engaging fast vehicle. I don't know if those are the same person. It's uh it's I think it kind of comes down to the fact that if you're paying this much for the most expensive CT4, you kind of want all the gear. So that's yeah. probably the philosophy behind it, but I hear what you're saying. Um I don't think it has magnetic ride control. I I, I can't find You're still looking this I'm up. I'm still looking it up because the CT5V has it. Yeah. So, but the CT4V, it's not mentioned whatsoever in any of the materials. So I'm going to say it's not in there. But the other thing that's interesting about this car that we haven't really talked about is the fact this is the first high-performance four-cylinder turbo ever from Cadillac. You could get a four-cylinder turbo with the ATS, but it wasn't the V version. It was like a standard version of the car. It was actually the base version of the car. But this is an actual high-performance turbo from Cadillac, and we've never had that before. Is so that really is, commendable when the when the engine itself is plucked out of the the Silverado, which was here before? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, that sounds major really like, diss from Sammy. Yeah, I know it sounds like a major diss, but <laughs> so, like when when you want to when you want to applaud a, a a vehicle, especially a sporty vehicle, something that has personality and has um you know that like a reputation behind it, you can't just also say. That is also in the in a. Okay, in well, a, I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily applauding it. I'm saying it's a first. Yeah, and it's but weird it's how they really call a sporty, it sporty engine, right? Like that's what I'm asking. Not exactly, but it is a fast engine, as we mentioned. With a six thousand RPM redline, you're right. It might as well be a diesel. <laughs> wow, you just wanted to work diesel. You've been trying to work diesel into this conversation yeah, since, for the past since, like three podcasts since day one. <laughs> Sammy. Hodge dash diesel dash Assad. <laughs> That's what they call me. That's what they call him. Um, okay, fine. Like uh, it is oh, a, wait low a minute. Ar- yes. Wait a minute. I have cut gotten to the bottom of the magnetic ride control versus not. <laughs> Are you ready, Sammy? I know it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. It's been a wild ride. Nobody's listening anymore. No, but everyone's tuned out. You can get magnetic ride control 4.0. Oh yeah. Uh, only on rear wheel drive models. <laughs> <laughs> Why? So my car had passive dampers from ZF. I I don't probably know why. why it felt so stiff because Magna Ride is pretty pretty good. Yeah. So excuse me. I think that it's probably a weight thing. Mm-hmm. That's the only Did thing. You I just can take a drink of water. 
Yeah, I did. How how unacceptable. How unacceptable. We're, we've become true professionals. <laughs> you know, it's it was just... It, it's, again, it's this part of Cadillac trying to find them a, a new brand for themselves, a new image for themselves, and the products don't, don't seem to be there, in my opinion. I don't know if it... They're halfway done. They're, like, almost ready, but also not. Do you and know I what think, I... I think it's dangerous because this is not the real V, but this is yeah. the first V experience a lot of customers coming into Cadillac for the first time are going to have. They're going to, right now in the showrooms, they're going to see this. They're going to see, oh, CT4V. And then they'll be like, oh, but I can't get it with the magnetic ride control if I live in a snowy climate and I want all-wheel drive. And, oh, the exhaust doesn't really do anything cool. And the engine's kind of from a pickup truck. And it's like, and then then the salespeople are going to be like, no, wait, there's a really cool thing called the V Blackwing coming. And people are like, well, that's confusing. And then they just walk out. <laughs> Is that a trim package? What? No, it's a whole new different thing. It's got a different suspension, a different engine. Nah, forget it. It sounds wild. And then they'll be like, does it come with magnetic ride control? And they'll be like, ask Benjamin. He doesn't know. <laughs> um, but you can get all-wheel drive with a CT5V as well. Yeah. And it and does magnetic ha- ride control. I'm sorry? And magnetic ride control. Yes. Yes. So it, yeah, that's, awesome. that's a little weird. <laughs> And you know, the, the, it's only another 40 horsepower in the CT5V. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, no, no, that doesn't make any sense to me because uh, the ATSV used a turbocharged V6 engine and made more horsepower than the CT5V, which also uses a turbocharged six cylinder yeah, engine. Yeah, because they're saving headroom for the Blackwing. But that means huh. that for the CT4V, they can't just put the CT5V's engine in it and call it the Blackwing. People aren't going to pay a ton of money for like 34. <laughs> 35 more horsepower. They're going to put the ATSV engine in. Watch. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would not be against that at but all. But then why would you just buy the ATSV? Because it does, they don't make it anymore, Sammy. I know. Yes, I know that. That's the problem. They, they, it was like planned, uh, what is it called? Uh, uh, planned obsolescence. Yes, planned obsolescence. That's like what they did. They took something away that we liked. Then they returned it to us in a neutered form, and then you're going to pay a ton more money for what you liked originally. So I guess kind of in closing about this car, I don't dislike it. Uh, I think it it, it was reasonably comfortable. It looks good. I got attention. I had people asking me specific questions about the car. Uh, Granted, some of those people turned out to be Cadillac owners. I had a guy who owned a CT6. Uh, come over and talk to me about it. And he casually dropped the CT6 into the conversation. But um, yeah, it's not... I think that it's a very competent entry for Cadillac into the the small sedan segment. Um, But all the reasons we talked about, it doesn't feel super special. And... At $45,000, you have a lot of options, especially if you're pushing the price past fifty grand. You can buy a lot of different cars. I can't really think of a compelling reason why you would get the CT4V over something else, necessarily. It's not a bad choice, but it's not the overwhelming choice. You know what I mean? You, we can go to every one of our podcasts where we talk about a Cadillac product, and we, you will hear us say the exact same thing. Competent vehicle, no reason to buy it over the competition. Uh, and definitely no reason to spend that much money on it. But also when maybe no reason – maybe also no reason not to buy it. You know? Like it's not like – there's no – no, if, if somebody likes the styling, that's good enough. Yeah, they, yeah there's no red flags. It's not like you're going to drive this car and then get into an S3 and be blown away by the S3. I don't think anyway. Mm. 
What do you think the S3 is is a car that in, in this segment? You mentioned the the CLA is the CLA 45. That's ten thousand dollars more. Would there's you? There's also a new CLA 36, I think. Um, and there's also this weird four four door two series. Yeah. So would you buy that? You've driven the four door two series. Yes. Would you uh, buy that over based on what we've talked about the CL the the uh, CT4 V? I haven't driven the the the, the, the CT4 V, um, but the two door the four door two series was not as amazing as I thought it should be, and that's coming from somebody who actually really enjoyed the old CLA 45 for what it was because it was a ton of power um, with a Mercedes badge at a reasonably low cost. Now I- there's there's two different again. There's like these two different AMG levels for the CLA. There's a 35 and a 45, and that confuses things further. And the and 40, the 45 is more equivalent to what the Blackwing would be, I think. So I think so. Yeah. Asking people to make horsepower. asking people to make that ten thousand dollar jump versus a CT4V, yeah. I don't think is reasonable. And I also I look at that CLA 45, and I'm like, I could get a lot. I could get a lot more car. For this yeah, amount of money, you can get a you way know? bigger car. You can get a, a more practical car, or you can get a more performance-oriented car. Um, I feel, I feel like the the, the CLA forty-five is a vehicle you only buy because you really want that specific vehicle. It's not a right. rational choice. It's not a market approach choice. It's a I have always wanted this car kind of thing, which is a totally valid reason to do anything. So um, the CT four V, I think it competes well against cars like the S three. Uh, okay. I don't I don't think that there's a huge I don't think there's a huge um, negative associated with the car in any way. I don't think there's an overwhelming positive. I think it's just another entry, another competent entry into a segment that's a little weird to begin with. Is there still the Volkswagen Golf R? Does that still exist? It, it does exist, but uh, I think I can't remember if they're taking a year off this year or if they're still selling uh, the previous generation. Okay, because that was another car. Like that's a, a spacious car, all-wheel drive. You can get it with a manual. It was, but no luxury and no prestige. It was as lu- I think it was premium for what it, a golf is. I mean, everyone, a golf, everyone a golf isn't that far removed from some, like an Audi A3 sometimes, right? Yeah, but anyone who looks at that car sees a base golf. Mm, Any okay. non-car person who looks at a golf sees a base golf and writes it off as an entry-level hatchback. So if you, again, it's so funny, I would imagine that the GT, the ye- years of GTIs have developed a sort of um, positive reputation there, but well, you I, have I to be an enthusiast it. to know what a GTI is. You don't have to be an enthusiast to know that a BMW badge means luxury. Yeah, and the same for Audi. So and Cadillac, yeah, that's that's the difference there. Okay, um, Ben, I don't want to talk about the car that I drove this week because I drove a Cad- uh, I drove the Chevrolet Trailblazer that uh, a similar one that you drove that you drove last week. So I'll just tell people to um, at the end of this podcast check out that podcast and pretty much my my thoughts are the same there. It's a recursive but- podcast. It is a recursive podcast. We have a podcast within a podcast. Um, I, I, instead, I want to talk about some pretty big news that occurred uh, this past week and something that I think you're a little bit more uh, connected with. I, Nissan showed off their plans for a new Z car, which is pretty cool, right? Yeah. You- I mean, it's cool because the current Z car is, what, 12 years old? Yeah, at least. <laughs> um, tell me what they, they – first of all, they called it the Z-Proto. Tell me what you know about this car because uh, you wrote a pretty a pretty robust article on it. And um, I want to hear your thoughts on it in person here. So the Z-Proto is 
essentially the production version of the next generation Z, which we might have as the Z400. I think that's what they're going to call it or 400Z, Sammy. Yeah. And uh, And it's supposed to come soon, like next year. Yeah, if in case you have included by the name, it's got a 400, probably a 400 horsepower motor, and that's coming courtesy of Infinity's twin turbo three liter uh, mm-hmm. V6 that's been available in the Q15, the Q60 for I guess the last three three years now. Uh, this is a decision that seems really obvious to me, Sammy. Uh, putting that motor in the Z car, it, it kind of weird that it's taken this long for it to happen. Right. The Z has a long history of turbocharged engines. In fact, the Z32 from the early 90s was extremely quick. Mm-hmm. And um, this version of the car is coming with a manual transmission. They, they, they're they exploring an automatic option. I mean, I'm sure there will be one. But the, the Z Proto that they showed off was automatic. Uh, sorry, manual only, six-speed. And it looked a lot like the 370Z merged with the Z32's rear taillights, merged with some aspects of the original S30Z which I have parked in my garage. So right. it's a, a bit of a did, mishmash. Do you, think they, do you think they massaged those three different design aspects successfully? Because I think it looks pretty modern. It looks pretty cool. But some people, especially maybe the, the hardcore fans, might see a bit of a jumble. I mean, there, you, is, there, is, there is somewhat of a jumble with the headlights, I think, especially. But the rest of the car looks fairly good. The... The only problem I have with the styling is it doesn't really advance the Z that much. If mm-hmm. if you look at the history of the car, um, each successive generation took some risks for the most part, especially yeah. in the in the late eighties, early nineties when they went to the Z thirty two and it became kind of this wider wedge shape as opposed to the long hood that it had before. And uh, then the 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 journey from Z thirty two to the three fifty Z was also quite different in terms of styling and 370 was more of an evolution and i think that this is kind of another evolutionary step with the exception of the rear being quite a bit different so it's 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 not really a a drastic change for the car which makes sense given that it's probably going to ride on the same platform they they talked to nissan engineers and product planners this week and the general consensus was they don't have a platform yet for the z proto but it's most likely going to be a version of the one under the 370 now, which means the the FM platform that's underpinned everything from the the um, Infinity G to the Infinity uh, Q Q. What is it? Which crossover was that, Sammy? The uh, QX70. Yeah, QX70. What was it called before that, though? The FX35, the first version of the FM. And 45, too. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting um, because those were all-wheel drive-capable platforms. Mm -hmm. I I know the Z never got it because it didn't have room, but who knows what the future will bring. Anyway, it's it's just nice to see a sports car out there. No one's buying the 370Z. I think they sold like 1,700 or something last year, which is horrible. Um, and to have a manual transmission still available in a world where the Toyota Supra doesn't have a manual transmission, it's a kind of a statement from Nissan. I don't know how many people will actually buy the manual, but they're kind of keeping the faith there. Why do you say that? I think the manual would be the one that people would want. I mean, obviously, it depends on where this car is uh, placed price-wise, because uh, the Supra, I think, ended up being a little bit more expensive than some people wanted to spend money on. And if they, especially in North America, horsepower is easy to get at an affordable range, thanks to the V8 uh, pony cars that we have. But handling is a little is a different is a different um, subject altogether. And if the 370 or this new 400Z um, manages to bring in a 400 horsepower 
twin turbo V6 engine at a price point that's below the Supra and can handle like a Supra, I think that would be a pretty successful um, product. I'm just I'm just saying that in general, people don't buy manual transmission cars anymore. And another thing that's kind of weird that will also feed into low manual take numbers, this Z won't be available in Europe. What? Yeah, they announced that it will not be sold in Europe. So it's going to be Japan only and uh, – sorry, Japan and America only, I guess. Do you think that's something to do with uh, engine size and, and emission standards? I think it might have to do with them just not having a market. Oh, that's painful. Okay. Um, I was going to add that the the engine, that 400 horsepower engine is pretty good. I've, I've, I've been a fan of it in the past. I think it's a very good engine. It pulls in pieces from the GTR engine to achieve such impressive uh, responsiveness and performance. And I think that's a really good uh, idea to put into the, um, the new Z. However... Do you think that there should also be a base engine or something like that that no. that provides a a lower um, price of entry for a new Z car? No, I don't think so because because I know if I remember correctly, some Z cars had a base engine and a turbocharged engine or a, an upgraded engine. No, it's not. Yeah, in the eighties they did do that. Uh, the nineties too. The, the three hundred ZX. Couldn't you get a yeah, non-turbo there was, version? There was, yeah. a, there was a base one too. But you know, the problem with the night with the ZX with the base model is that was a heavy car, and okay. uh, the base engine didn't really do it any favors. It was fine as a GT car, but it wasn't very sporting. I think that. But we're now at a level where these new, like even a, ba- a non-turbocharged version of this engine, would be pretty decent. I don't know. I mean, right now, the 370Z is not competitive in its segment, and it has 300 horsepower from a naturally aspirated V6. Mm. So what are you going to do? Are you going to keep the VQ engine around? I, I think that this car makes sense if you can sell it for thirty-eight, thirty-nine thousand $39,000 uh, as a base. You undercut the Supra, and yeah. uh, you don't try to play with the Corvette, and you stay away from the BRZ. Because I think if you cut the yeah. price too much... If you if you offer that base version and sorry the 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 naturally aspirated version and suddenly it's a thirty two thousand dollar car or a thirty three thousand dollar car I mean you're going to be up against Mustangs and Camaros and stuff you don't want to be there um, and I think at the forty thousand dollar mark they can add some luxury into it and kind of make it a grand touring car as well so there's a lot of options going up market I think there's just downsides going down market especially in a world where you can get big horsepower from a hot hatch now true. Um, another thing I want to ensure, uh, I, I wanted to be reassured by this and I'm not sure I got the reassurance. The Q60 and Q50 Red Sports, as good as their engine was, they had one significant flaw and it's with, um, a special steering setup that they had, a steer by wire setup. There's and, no way that makes it to the Z. But have we been reassured that that's not happening? Well, why would they do it? I mean, it's more expensive and more complicated. That's something you put in a luxury car because you can charge a price that reflects that. I don't think they can do that with the Z, so I'm not really concerned. Okay, so you're telling me I I should stop worrying? Yeah, definitely. Stop worrying about about everything, everything, Sammy. Nothing uh, means anything, and eventually we are dust and the universe forgets us. (laughs) I take solace in that every night. That doesn't reassure. That's not reassuring at all. Um, is there anything else you want? Any ideas? First of all, is it is it imperative to have a new Z car um, these days? Because I, I don't mean to be rude, but Nissan has been has found itself in a in a tough spot um, business wise in some cases. Um, trying they they sometimes struggle to sell some crossovers or pickup trucks, um, and they're 
some of their other products seem really dated. I'm glad that they now released a new Nissan Rogue, but there needs to be other products. And is a sports car really the next thing for them? And especially when they're worrying about, I don't know, potential bankruptcy or split up of their of their alliance with Renault and Mitsubishi, is a, is a sports car really going to be okay? Like, is that an okay move for them? I don't know. I think it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people were saying, hey, why didn't the Z come with an electrification option? And I think that keeping the Z in the lineup allows them to pursue electrification with the GTR while still maintaining a link to the grassroots of sports car owners with the Z. And, you know, because the GTR... That's a really good point. I haven't heard that articulated by anyone just yet. So please... Please elaborate on that. Sorry. Well, what I what I mean is, I mean, obviously for exotics and supercars, electrification is the future because that's where the numbers lie. And it's also a big image thing for cars at that price point. And the GTR has gotten so expensive that it could easily uh, eat up those costs and soak them up. And it's not so much of a problem for Nissan. Whereas I think at the price point for the Z, it would be a lot harder to justify that. And it kind of goes against what the Z's image has been all of these years. So I think having these two cars in the lineup is important. I think that that's part of the reason why this vehicle is still here. It's kind of, you know, like when when Corvette went to the mid-engine setup, I thought they might continue still selling a version of the rear-wheel drive car. And then they would have a graduated uh, sports car lineup and you would be able to charge a lot more for the mid-engine Corvette. And especially since the Camaro is very likely disappearing from the picture. But they didn't do that. And I think that Nissan is kind of able to create this sports car ladder in a way that Chevrolet was never able to. True, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, when we when we talk about the Toyota 86 and the Supra, uh, one, I mean, the 86 is, is now really old, but a lot of people complain about the, its horsepower and uh, and pure speed aspect. And the Supra helped um, helped address that concern. I don't know if it did it successfully, but it was there for that reason. You have it now, kind of the other way around. For like, you have this Halo product in a potential G, in a GTR and the next generation GTR. And if for people who can't uh, justify that kind of price they can easily enjoy themselves in a um in a more base not what's the word like honest sports car in the z right is that the best way to say it not honest but like well it's know. it's 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 either they're not trying to make the car something that's not yeah you know and i guess if you're if that's what you mean by honesty then yes and i think that will play well with the people who traditionally buy this car very cool. I'm looking forward to it. I do like the design. I like the clean interior, uh, which looks very modern. That's my most. Um, that's one of the most important things I want to talk about when it comes to sports cars. A lot of people want a back to basic sports cars, and for that, that to me it means that the powertrain is 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 basics. You have you have a link to that um, engine through a trans a manual transmission. You have a. Na- I love naturally aspirated engines. I think they feel great. Um, but a turbocharged engine can work just fine. And you have a steering wheel that's, um, that provides really good feel. I don't mind fancy features in a cabin um, when it comes to like Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. I think that's a really good enhancement. It's an easy way to provide um, ex- uh, additional functions in a car for not so much of a price. And I love digital gauge clusters. I love being able to customize what kind of information I have access to. And looking at this new Z... If it has those kinds of features, I'll be really impressed. I think so. I think there will definitely be a high-end version of the car that will be more of a touring car that will incorporate all of that. And 
you know, they you could say, well, they already do that with the Q60. They, no one buys the Q60. No, no one buys, the buys any True. Infinity, and it's kind of been a big a, a big failure for um, it, it, Nissan. And I think that being able to soak up some dollars that maybe they weren't getting with their luxury coupe by making a luxury version of the Z would make sense. They've made luxury versions of the Z in the past. It's not a big stretch for them to do it again. I want to go back to the talk about the design. Um, I think it's really important to contrast the um, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's not quite paired back, but if you compare the Z's design to what Toyota designed with the Supra, you can see that Nissan had a really nice focus on what they were trying to build. And to, and Toyota was really trying to make something evocative and and otherworldly, I think, and that doesn't that doesn't translate so well. Um, to, to every buyer. I think it really stands out to, to people. As, it, people have been very critical of the Toyota design. And I don't think people will be as critical about the Z design. If that's no, well, it's like. certainly less polarizing. Yeah, I, mean, totally. I, agree, I agree with you there. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to talk about this week? No, I think, uh, I think that kind of sums it up for me. Awesome. Um, so let's, let's uh, quickly plug the website. Um, for all of our listeners, if you haven't yet... Why don't you go on to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, and you can subscribe to our podcast right there. Or, you, of course, you can subscribe to our podcast through any of your favorite podcast clients. It's very easy. You just hit the subscribe buttons on the top of the website or wherever you find our podcast, and we really appreciate that. Um, additionally, when you're at our website, you can see uh, all of our previous episodes as well as photos and links to some of the content that me and Ben have created based on um, our experience with those vehicles. And there's also a really helpful contact form. You just fill that out and it lands in our inbox. Of course, if you want it to be a little bit more personable uh, or personal, you can reach out to Ben and I individually. You can find Ben on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. Or you can find me on Twitter. I'm Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Additionally, you can send us an email the old-fashioned way. It's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. So that's it for this week's episode. Ben, what are you driving next week? Uh, next week, as I mentioned, I'll be talking about the Cadillac XT6, which is a vehicle Sammy seems to despise, and that will no doubt be an interesting conversation. Um, there's also another vehicle I want to be talking about next week. It's a surprise, but it's it's uh, it's a two-parter. The first part starts with Aston, so I think um, that should be a good conversation as well. Uh, and I'll be driving um, some hybrid sedans. I'm going to compare the Honda Accord Hybrid to the Toyota Camry Hybrid, which will I think is a is a very important uh, comparison to make for people who are uh, still in the sedan market who haven't jumped up to the the crossover market yet. And and if you're still in the sedan market, that probably means you're in a Toyota showroom because it's yeah. very hard to find sedans at other companies. That's right. So thank you, Ben, for your time um, recording this with me, and thank you, dear listener, for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye.